Greetings, adventurers. This is OG RPG. Where we journey into the realms of 8, 16, and 32-bit RPGs. I'm Abby. And I'm Nick. And this week's game is Ultima 4 Quest of the Avatar for the NES Part 3. Welcome back, adventurers. Uh, over the past two weeks, we've talked a lot about this game. We talked about the gameplay, a little history, and even started our adventure and stuff. But here, we're going to get down to the real nitty-gritty with our general chat. And I'll begin by saying, I love this game, and it looks great. Yeah, yeah, I really like this game, too. It does look really good uh, for for an NES game. I mean, animations of uh, the other sprites, enemies, townspeople. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, it all looks good. Like the, especially with the towns, you know, everyone's heard me talk about how much I love the towns in this game, but it, it's true. They're, they're really colorful and detailed, like background tiles. It's probably... In that regard, the best-looking NES RPG, like when you compare it to even, I guess, Final Fantasy, Dragon Warrior 4, you know, there's there's not a whole lot there. And while it doesn't have, you know, Final Fantasy has those detailed enemy sprites and stuff for battles, here, while you don't get that, you do get a large number of, like, unique sprites, for one for every type of enemy, as well as a lot more different townsfolk. So the difference uh, between, you know, you're saying Final Fantasy... Um, like illustrated monsters that you fight, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just stationary. They sort of flash when they're attacking your party, you know, you just step forward and do a little slash slash or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, in the battles here, obviously the, um, battle map, you can walk across it, um, move, aim at like a specific monster and you'll get an animation, you know, um, like everyone's moving all the time, um, but you can actually see, you know, a ranged attack going from the person that fired it to the person that they hit with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the tactical kind of battle screen is pretty cool in theory. Like, it has promise, but it, it's not really utilized much here. You know, it's 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 just a map. Very infrequently, you'll have actual obstacles you have to move around, but... It just takes too long to move up into the melee range. Yeah, I think... Um... So, yeah, so you end up just always shooting stuff, which, if you think about it, is pretty much just the same as it would be if you were playing Dragon Warrior Final. You're just going through your list, attacking every enemies in certain orders, trying to, you know, take certain ones out first. So it doesn't... I don't know. It's not as cool as, as it may seem at first glance, but I, I don't mind it too terribly. Yeah, like the the flexibility that that allows in the battles, you know, moving and and selecting targets and stuff. 
I mean, that, that does have, you know, potential, but in the end, you know, if you're just being efficient, you're just going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like obstacles, the only thing they challenge they present is, you know, walking around them. But it would be cool if it was like you got some cover from ranged attacks Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you have, you know, special items or character traits that let you move uh, farther, you know, than one square at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's the start of something cool, I guess. Yeah. It could be. Potential, indeed. Another thing about the battles that drives me nuts is even at the highest And it's not just in the battles, but this is one of the more repeated egregious offenders where you attack an enemy and it says, you know, Iolo attacked. Then you you don't have to press a button. You can wait for it to auto scroll. But even on the fastest message setting, it it takes like a full second in between unless you are are just jamming down that button to keep the little message box rolling. And then it's like, you did this much damage. And then the enemy died. And then you got XP. And it's just like each one of those takes too long that coupled with you know opening the chest this game really like asks you a lot of questions where it's you know or you go to search and it's like you found a chest who will open it this does not matter i think it is a holdover from previous versions where it did matter maybe with trapped chests or certain things and then you, you select that person and it's like you open the chest press a button you got this much gold press you end up with like four button presses just to do one item or just to open one chest so like this game you know, it wasn't the only game I, I played, but I wore down my A button in a way I'd forgotten about. It used to be the same way on my old Super Nintendo controller, where the spring is just worn out now. It's not snapping back out all the way because I was just constantly pressing the that button to keep this text moving as fast as I could because it's it's very repetitive, especially in battle and with chests, like I mentioned. So along with that... There's um, actually getting into battles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You you did a fight. You have a chest. You're searching it, opening it, and um, you know just holding still. You'll just enter into another fight unpredictably. And there's point in times in the game where you do just want to stand still. You know, waiting for a moon gate or pirate ship to show up so you can steal yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'll you'll just end up in a fight. So that can kind of frustrate your progress too. Yeah, that's especially for moon gates. One one little tip I don't know if we mentioned is that the moon gates will keep cycling. If you stand on top of a town tile, like you just exited the town and you stay there, you won't encounter enemies there. So, and since most of the moon gates are near to a town, you can stand there and run out the clock on those moon gates until they appear. And, you know, and then when it gets close, head off the town and head over to where it is. So, a little pro tip there. But but yeah, back to this game looking great. And we've mentioned it a bit before, but the hidden kind of viewpoints and stuff where you're you're journeying around the town or overworld and the forest block lines of sight you can't see in or around buildings until you move around them and that combined with the little one pixel secret doors you know it really makes this game look very unique and and cool it's it makes the towns and castles more fun to explore and i really like that yeah and all the towns and castles are themed really well too you know yeah yeah. the the difference between them you know, based on like their virtue, you know, martial versus magic mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they're they're each pretty distinct and unique, and I enjoyed that. Definitely. What do you think about the music in this game? Uh, the music's pretty basic. You're not in like a lot of different locations per se. Like, you know, the Overland music is the same all the time. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. town music is the same in every town. The dungeon music is the same in every dungeon. And the the music is pretty simple too. Like I I don't know how many channels 
Um, oh well, it's it's NES. I think you just yeah, get the three, but three channels. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So music, I I wasn't really all that impressed with. Man, see, I I really like the music. I I think it has a, a its own kind of flavor because it's got a more renaissance kind of feel you know it's got that like mm-hmm. snare drum that mm-hmm. like kind of root stuff going on that makes it feel more elizabethan or so i don't know as opposed to true like medieval if you think of like old like lutes and drums or, or etc so i mean i kind of like it now i personally d- thought it stands out from other rpgs of the era because it, it's got its own it's got its own fancy feel basic <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. feels basic I mean, I'm not, I'm not like ripping on it or anything. I just, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but also at the same time, I mean, I, I don't always uh, listen to the games when I'm, when I'm playing them anyway, like, Mm. you know, the volumes off, I'm like listening, watching something else or, um, unlike you, you like to get hypnotized. It's, by, it depends. by NES soundtracks depends on the games but usually I do I especially if I have a lot of nostalgia for it like this game so you know it really does you know I guess that is part of it this might have been a formative musical experience for a young 10 or 11 year old Nick but I, I think the music and those graphics stand out enough from the pack of other RPGs or, or you know in even the other versions of this game you know that none of them look this good this is by far the best looking Ultima 4 that I, I've noticed, but it has a strong, a strong sense of of setting, you know, or, or or place where it's a. When I play this game, it's fun. It reminds me of of Zelda One in a way where it was less like a game I play as opposed to a, a place I go and, and spend some time and explore maybe or or whatnot. So I mm. I really like that about it. I also think this game is pretty darn easy. Um, <laughs> we, we've talked a bit about how the leveling up mechanics don't really matter so you don't need to do it and since all of the encounters are worth the same amount of gold it means fighting stronger enemies really has no reward versus always fighting weak ones so it it, it ends up making the fights kind of meaningless you know <laughs> but that that also makes it a, a pretty easy game because there there are no bosses and stuff the, the real difficulty is just getting up your virtues talking to people getting all the clues figuring out or which stones are what color and, and etc which is pretty pretty fun i think i think um this game has uh the same amount of challenge as a connect the dots puzzle Ugh. you know where it's just a bunch of dots they're numbered um but in this game it's like you don't have to go one two three you can go five six and then later on you see 12 13 yeah so you eventually build up this image you know one dot at a time sure but, sure but you know that's not challenging really it's just like sitting there and doing each one of the lines and then the, the end you're just like oh cool a sailboat and that's kind of what i get from this game where it's just like oh cool i'm done <laughs> yeah the lack of story i could see no stakes there's no stakes in this game the only thing that you would you know be worried about would be dying in a battle but there's no stakes as in you're not you're not really saving anyone from anything. It's a it's a journey of self-discovery and perfection. But then also there's there's no story really. You know, there's no conflict, there's no Yeah. You know, you don't have people that you need to help to do anything. No no one's got a, you know, evil monster outside of town that they need you to take care of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't have to like win any of the items that you get. You just have to find them. 
Right, yeah. There's it's very interesting when coming from a JRPG background, which I was, where, you know, this this game feels like it it's really flipped it on its head and and, and I, I like that because it really does make this game feel totally different and alien in a way. And I think it even stands out in that regard from Western RPGs too, because again, no bosses, levels don't really matter, but I, I wish they did kind of. I, I, I don't know. I, I wish there was a little more mechanically to the game because it, it's like it gives you all these options and you want to find like, ooh, what's the best one or the one for me? And then if you really do the research and pay attention, you realize that and none of it matters. <laughs> like... You just need to get through to the end. So, I don't know. It, it is a weird game that I, I could see some people not getting into, but I am a fan. Also in the general chat, I did want to talk about the Sega Master System version, which I've, I've played a little bit. I think I've mentioned that. I have not beaten it. But it seems like an interesting midpoint between the NES streamlined version of Ultima 4 and the various other PC versions that came before. Because, you know, here you just talk to people like you would in any old... RPG, and they give you a message, maybe ask a question or two, but in the original PC version, it was a full-on text parser. You had to go up and type, like, ask about job, or ask about stones, or things like that, which does give you a lot more leeway, but you, you have to be in a specific frame of mind to do that right. You know, you have to know what a game with a text parser, like, what are your verbs you can use, etc., and stuff, but the Sega Master System has a cool way where it's basically a keyword system, I played other games like that, and you know that's fun where you have a selection of topics you can ask someone about. But they normally, as the game goes on and you get more and more, you want to ask everyone about everything just in case. So you end up like talking to each person twenty times, most of them just saying like I don't know anything about that. Here they solve it by you have like your five basic ones you can ask about their job and a few other things. But if there's any other topics that you have access to kind of or keywords you already know or whatever those will just automatically pop up in your menu so you only have to talk to people about what they actually know which is pretty fun i think and, and i've never seen it anywhere else so i just wanted to point that out because i thought it was a an interesting and unique take on rpg npc conversations uh so you know with chatting you know the point of it in this game is to find the clues so that you'll find things um, that you need to mm -hmm. finish there's also like tipping and giving away gold, giving blood, da 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 da. So it's like not only do you talk to people for clues, but you're also increasing your virtue points and things like that. It would have been nice if it was to increase your points and in, in different virtues if it was like missions uh, specific to that, not just doing the same thing over and over in every town. You right, know, right. Overpaying, underselling, donating blood. You know, if it, if it was like, oh, each town, virtuous town, you had a mission specific to that, that would have been nice. And it wouldn't have to be like a boss or anything. It could still be, you know, like fetch quest yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think that would have been a little more interesting. I, I can see that. It would have made it a little less tedious. I, yeah, I guess. I, I think that's at least as intended to be part of figuring out the game is figuring out what is increasing what. Virtue wise, you know, kind of trying to be a good person and stuff. But if you already know it, like I think that's another thing too. If you come at this game from a perspective of I, I read, I read all about it. I read all these walkthroughs and stuff. And it really is just like a shopping list of stuff to do. I mean, I guess you could say that about any RPG. But when you when you're not playing through a story or anything, it uh, it's a little more nakedly boring. I get or can be for some people. 
but I, but I think this is a good one to kind of go in blind, give it the old college try because it won't it'll it'll kind of hide some of the weaknesses from you at least at first. Yeah, I think it's good too. I mean, I think it's a good intro to Western RPGs also. Yeah, if you're coming from mm-hmm. JRPGs into you know you've never really played them and it's not as brutal as say wizardry or some other games that are super like intense dungeon crawlers and are, are much more difficult i think this is this is quite the opposite In our previous episodes on this game, we talked about, we went through all the towns, took a little tour of Britannia, and, but there, there are a few more spots we would need to stop by on our, on our quest of the Avatar, uh, including, the game has four castles you can explore, so I thought, you know, we can kind of cruise by them, uh, the, one of which we've already talked about a bit, which is the Castle Britannia. It's, uh, right by the town of Britain, and I think we've already talked about all the stuff that you can do here. Basically, yeah, I think we missed out on... You know, you have four people in your party, but there are more characters that you can get. So if they're not in your party, they're all, you know, camping out at Castle Britain. And you can go to Castle Britain and swap out members of your party. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know if we mentioned this, the dungeon Hythloth. <laughs> Hythloth? Hythloth. Sound like Mike Tyson here. Anyways, but the entrance to this dungeon is, is located in in this castle but you do need the key to get there so we didn't really talk about it much before i don't think i know we both played as the bard so this was right at the beginning but we'll talk about that in our dungeon section later (laughs) but each of these other three castles are based on one of the principles which we talked we've we've hinted towards in the past and we've talked about the eight virtues but the principles are kind of they're like these are the basis of the virtues where and there's only three there's truth love and courage and this is where some of the like later virtue quizzes you'll kind of have to take from certain people where they'll say like what virtues are derived from truth well obviously honesty is pure truth but justice honor and spirituality are as well so they all fit together in a weird way that's hard to explain but is is more visual you can easily search for a kind of venn diagram i believe there's one if it's not in the instruction manual, it's definitely in Nintendo Power. Check it out on archive.com or yeah. archive.org. I don't remember. Internet Archive. Search for it. It's right there. It's it's a few words away at Google, and it, it'll teach you a lot about yourself in the world and virtue. <laughs> yeah, principles I think of as, uh, you know, primary colors like on a printer. Yeah, that's, that's a good that's way to put it. That's basically what yeah. it is, yeah. And then the uh, the virtues are secondary colors. Yes. But not, but see, now I've just made a really confusing comparison because colors play a part in in the oh. game as far as like the, the stones and like what color represents what's what virtue and, and yes. stuff like that. So forget my analogy or remember my analogy because I guess you can't have enough principles and colors and combinations and overlaps <laughs> in this game. So. You can figure it out. Look, our listeners are adults. They can handle it, okay? They know their colors. So, anyways, moving on to these three principled castles. Uh, We have the first one we'll look at is the Lycaeum. This is north of Moonglow, out on those islands. And this is the stronghold of truth. Is that really how you say it? I said Lyceum. Let's see. Ooh. You were right. It's it's another word that, uh, much like 
Cerulean. <laughs> yep. I've been uh, mentally pronouncing inside my head wrong for at least 20 years. I, I think it's safe to say. The Lyceum. I do know that that is the name of, that was Aristotle's school. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's based on. But here, we're talking about truth at the Ly- Lyceum. Uh, most importantly, I think here is that once you become the Avatar, there's a stair that you cannot pass until until then and then you can get the sword of paradise which is pretty awesome i like that there's a wizard here named nigel nigel call me nige the wizard yeah you get the the recipe for life spell which is pretty nice and this is also where you can get the book of truth uh the which is one of three items there's the book of truth the candle of love and the bell of courage and sounds familiar maybe they're associated with each of these three castles but once you find it here it's in like the library imagine that but you got to find these three items and those are what will allow you to enter you have to use them all in the right order before you can open the abyss and go in so that's another thing you're looking for clues for not only their location but what order to use them in yeah it's pretty cool castle it's all like light blue themed color wise uh pretty fascinating stuff it's always worth dipping by at some point and next up, we've got the Empath Abbey. No, this isn't Psychic Abbey. <laughs> it's A-B-B-E-Y. Captain. Captain, I'm sensing love in this castle. <laughs> Empath Abbey. Yeah, that's right. You guys heard it here first. Abbey is a betazoid. Um, Empath Abbey is the castle of love. And much like the Lyceum, you can get... This is where the exotic armor is. But again, only when you're an avatar. Some good uh, source of spell recipes and you do get a clue here that the candle of love is hidden in a village somewhere off an inland lake which is the village of cove we talked about before so either you know later we'll get a hot air balloon or you can try to find that whirlpool and it'll shipwreck you there but that's about it and then finally down south is the serpent's hold which is a castle of courage again more spell recipes there's no avatar item to get here although it does you will find the location of the Bell of Courage, which is if you sail to the north, there's a little shoal and there's a spot in the middle that you can search and you'll find the bell there. So good, good on you. And this castle is all like yellow and orange, like the bricks, right? Yeah. 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 The castles are cool. Kind of like the, you know, the towns, it's all one kind of people there. You know what I mean? Like the, the castles aren't towns and that there's um you know merchants beggars da, da, da. it's sort of like uh monastic orders yeah kind of like for each one but they're but they're different that's right yeah so that's our three castles and i thought maybe we could uh, pick up where we left off with some of these monsters we covered most of them mm. if you've been leveling up you might have seen a few of these uh, i did not level up but these will appear in the set encounters in the dungeons which we'll we'll get to soon so I thought we could bust them out real quick. Um, I think last episode we talked about all the monsters up through level 4. So if you've leveled up to level 5 here, you will start seeing some creatures such as gazers, which are pretty clearly a, a beholder from D&D. Yeah, very obviously. And these foes are a real pain in the butt, I think. They have a ranged attack, which always makes them a little harder. And they can put you to sleep. With set attacks, so, and that's really frustrating. As it is in every game. There are these little headless creatures. They're just called headlesses. And they're blue. Uh, and they're easy. They're just tough. Kind of tough monsters. They're creepy too. I mean it just looks like an ogre body. But with no head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, 
Just pretty, like a butt crack. It's awesome. And there's also the Phantom, which appears to be a floating sword and shield. Yeah, it's like a disembodied, yeah, sword and shield. It's really cute, too, because uh, even though there's no body, they still move. You know, like they walk yeah. across the, the map and they also uh, slash at you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you can see, like, their orientation. You know, if they turn left, you see them in, like, profile. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool. It's a cool sprite. They have a couple spells. They can shoot missile or fire, but really, they also have reflect, which sucks. Then, if you level up to six, you're going to be almost at the top of the pack here. You'll start seeing some truly deadly foes. There's the Balrog, which is a yellow and blue demon. Um, it's not quite as intimidating as the one in Lord of the Rings, but it can cast Tremor, Fire, and Sleep. But lots more hit points here. There's a Cyclops, which is a standard slightly tougher enemy that also has a range attack can attack you yeah it sort of looks like a headless but with a head yeah <laughs> i like to imagine that's what they are <laughs> uh, we got a hydra here looks like a three-headed creature pretty cool sprites it has a, a ranged attack that it can shoot and if it when it hits you it turns the square you're on into a lava field which won't i don't think that hurts you while you stand on i think it's only when you walk on when it. you walk through it uh-huh so if you're not moving it does not matter um, then we've got a lava lizard, which it looks like a dinosaur, but it's a blue dinosaur when you would think it would be a red dinosaur because it's a yeah. lava lizard. <laughs> but they can they can do the you know the same attack where they hit you with a ranged attack and it makes the squares around you lava, I uh -huh, guess. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so walking through that. And not only will it damage you if you walk through it, it damages anybody who walks through it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So if enemies are, you know, heading towards you for some melee action, they'll still get hurt by it, too. In fact, in some of these later dungeons, there's just big fields of lava just on the map. And, you know, the AI is not good enough for any kind of tactical game. So it'll just blunder through all of some of the enemies will just kill themselves walking on lava to get to you, even though they have ranged attacks. So it's again, battles are easy in this game, pretty much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Then we have a creature called a Zorn. Yeah. And I don't know what it's based on, but it it's a crazy looking sprite where it's like a red skull, but the top opens up like a Venus flytrap. I think this is a reference. There are Zorns in D&D. &D. They're spelled mm -hmm. with an X-O-R-N. Mm -hmm. And they're a weird earth creature that does have kind of a mouth where pointing up where its head would be. And it's got three or four arms and legs and radial symmetry around the body. And it's like eyes are on its they like eat their way through earth or something they're an elemental oh wow i just said like i don't know what it's based on but then as soon as you said it's spelled with an x uh, uh, <laughs> in the in the monster manual i was like oh yeah uh-huh okay sorry anyway yeah yeah but yeah they can they can shoot you with a ranged attack and then they've got that negate spell as well so yeah they're mm -hmm. not too frequent not too tough finally the only level seven monster is the dragon he's a pink dragon you won't see them too much. It has another one of those fireball attacks. They're they're and they're not scarier. I mean, I think the hydras are tougher, really, even though. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. They've got a lot more hit points. The hydra does. Yeah, yeah. And then real quick, since we're about to get there, there are six monsters you will only encounter in a dungeon. They are bats, which apparently can cast the missile spell on you. I I don't remember that. There's. Yeah, they you no know, they they're ranged, mm -hmm. but uh, I didn't realize it was missile. Hmm. I, I, uh, there there are the gremlins, which are a little red. They look like an imp or something. Yeah, with a little stripy 
where's waldo pointed yeah. hat yeah yeah there yeah super easy there's the classic dungeon monster the mimic which is an evil chest that attacks you and can shoot at you but they're very clearly not a chest because they're half you know the lid is sort of like open and there's some little eyes peeking out yeah and these aren't like in the classic rpg D fashion you know you, you put a mimic in a room that looks like say a chest which they definitely do here that's their sprite but they're not trying to trick you they'll just when you go into a battle screen there they are and they're already activated and possibly shooting at you the toughest dungeon only monster you can get is called a reaper and a reaper looks like a scary tree so it's like a yeah a tree with like no branches but it's got like an evil jack-o'-lantern mouth but you do encounter one of these in, uh, is it Castle Britain? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. one that you, you know, you just have to get to it. It's in the prison. Mm -hmm. Secret door gets you there, I think. And I can't remember what he gives you. Yeah, I, I think it's a clue or something. Yeah, clue or something. Or maybe a spell recipe. I know that yeah. I'm pretty sure these creatures, because they kind of have tentacles. I think they're based on ropers. Yeah. Also from d and D. I I see that. I can see that. And then you've got slimes, a very easy, very basic creature that just moves and attacks. And same thing with spiders. So there you go, adventurers. That's all the foes we may be bumping up against uh, shortly. But let's just assume that having explored all the towns and the castles, that it's shrine time, baby. Once you're worthy of uh, virtue or worthy of avatarhood, any virtue, you then, assuming you've got the rune. You get to, which will grant you access to the shrine. And then you can go to each shrine and or you meditate to achieve your partial avatar hood. And, and this is something where, you know, at each shrine, you can meditate from one to three cycles, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, they give you some hints. I don't know how good they are because I never really did them for this. This was always just a way to achieve avatar hood or get some spirituality points. You know, they're all pretty close to the associated town of their of whatever their virtue is for example honesty it's north of moon glow it's across some water so you will need a boat to get here or say a balloon i know compassion we kind of mentioned that's east of britain got to go across a bridge or two it's near cove but you can't reach there they don't they're not connected by land uh then we have the shrine of valor which is south of uh Jalome, and it's just right there too <laughs> Yeah, it's straight across. You can see it from outside yeah. the town, so you, you just got to sail like two spots over. Then we've got the Shrine of Justice outside of the town of Yu. This one, it does have um, poison marsh around it. The Shrine of Compassion does too. Like if you're yeah. going to walk to it, you'll walk through these poison marshes that are going to, guess what, poison you. Ooh, yeah. Mm. This one's a bit of a walk too. It might be one of the farther, mm -hmm. farther shrines. Uh, Sacrifice is... It's kind of, I guess, north of Vesper, but it's also southeast of Minoc, the sacrifice town. It's easily walked to, nothing too crazy. Then we have the Shrine of Honor, and that's, um, it's near Trinsic, and I think this one is uh, kind of a march too, as well as having, mm -hmm. you know, the poison, poison marshes or whatever, and you have to loop around like this big chain of mountains. To I've, get to it. Yeah, I, I yeah. found it easier. Instead of coming here from Trinsic, I'll just sail here from Jalome because it's out in the water mm -hmm. to the west of it. A little, little easier. The Shrine of Spirituality is only accessible by moon gates. You need two full moons. And any lunar astronomers specialists will know that means you have to be at Minoc because it is the only town where the moon gate appears on a full moon. So go there, get it. And finally, 
the Shrine of Humility. This is the the weirdest one because it is Magency is out in the on an island in the ocean and there's there's no shrine there and you'll have to kind of learn that you know we haven't really talked about it but in the southeast of the map is a big scary mountainous there's like lava and stuff it's like the the big evil <laughs> island I guess or continent and the Shrine of Humility is over here you have to sail through a twisting path disembark and the key is that you have to have the silver horn. Otherwise, you're going to get attacked by a bunch of, like, Balrogs and stuff. Like, real strong enemies, no matter what level you are. Like, every step when you're trying to get down in there. And the Silverhorn we mentioned is just on another island to the north of Magentia. Easy to find. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this might this is probably the, the longest haul and maybe the toughest shrine to find. But you can do it. And you will. And let's say you did. Now you're the Avatar. So... Now that once you've achieved the avatar, although to be honest, you don't have to wait to avatarhood to do this, but there are, I guess, eight dungeons. Um, But yes, the dungeons are interesting because that's where almost all of the stones are hidden. And these are the final piece of the puzzle. We're going to need these stones and we're going to use them in these altars that are also subterranean to access. There's a key of courage, key of love and key of truth that we can combine to make the threefold key or three-part key that you also need in the abyss that's really the final thing we need before we can head there and these are you know we've talked about it before first person dungeons they're not too terribly complicated they're usually eight floors you can go down up you can use the view spell or a gem to see a weird kind of abstract map of it that's kind of hard to interpret at first but anyone can get used to it or you can just look for maps online and i don't know there's nothing too crazy about any of these dungeons that makes them stand out from each other i mean occasionally you'll have a secret door or that's the hardest part is like finding them you really have to they're not marked like they would be in a town you just have to bump against walls Mm -hmm. sometimes or like step on like a trigger somehow to you know make a walkway or a door open Oh sure. Well, yeah. yeah. That's see. That's the in the in the battle screens in mm-hmm. there. Um, in the first person scenes, you'll find we kind of mentioned the orbs you can use. They they will damage you in exchange. They will raise your stats permanently. I never used any of them this last playthrough, and I w- had no no problems. Mm-hmm. There's fountains you'll encounter sometimes. Very few of them will actually heal you. Most of the time, they're poison or something. Yeah, just avoid those in general. And it's yeah, it's just journeying down and trying to find your way to. And like you said about the secret kind of passages in the overhead screens, you'll see like where you'll move into rooms, you can see them with a little door on a wall. And sometimes when you go into them, it's just a a little first person room and you keep going. But sometimes it's a a set encounter with some creatures and these are not relative to your level. So, you know, if they're tough, they're tough and you're you're screwed. You're going to you're going to get your butt kicked. This is the only time where leveling off might actually pay off, but. I can tell you right here, I never got above level four, and it didn't matter to me, so mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't sweat it there. In each of these dungeons, when you get to where the stone is, there's actually a special room. It's more like a town where you type view, you go in, and there's some sort of sage there or something who will ask you a kind of question about the virtue, and you have to answer right. If you answer wrong, you're warped out, and you got to start over, which sucks. I mean, warped out of the dungeon, not to the beginning of the game to start okay. over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The uh, and and it's it's kind of tricky because there are a couple areas and this is I think the worst offender where because for the most part this game's 
I mean, it's not localized since it came from English. You know, it's an English Western game, so you can't blame it on translation. But some of these questions, I don't know if they just coded in the answers wrong. Like, you want to say yes to every question, no matter how crazy it sounds. Like, they'll they'll ask you these weird things like, do you like to slaughter babies? And you'll, <laughs> I mean, that's not a real question, but you would say yes. And they'd be like, I knew it. You're a great guy. And it's, I don't know if they're going for something that went over my head, but like, it's, it's, it's really weird. So yeah, always say yes to these sages. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but you know, we are looking for the eight different colored stones and, but two of them are not in dungeons. The black stone or no. The, yeah. Yeah. Black stone and white stone. Yeah, yeah, and the I think you get the black stone by searching where the moon gate drops you near Moonglow at at two new moons. So when there's no moon, or no, that'll open a, a warp that you take, and then when you land, you search immediately. You'll find the stone of black. Right, and then the white stone. I think that's only you've got to use the hot air balloon to drop down in that um, sort of mountain yeah. range, um, and. Um, and then in there is where you find the white stone. Yeah, yeah. And, and let, let's talk about this balloon real quick. So, you know, we've mentioned this strangely named dungeon, Hythaloth, that you can sneak into from Castle Britain. Or you, you use a key, you go down some stairs, and there's even like a, a wizard lady who warns you and says, if you go in here, you can't come back out this way. And she's right because this is, is strange, but you enter this dungeon and... Normally in a dungeon, you know, you travel up and down through these like stairs and, you know, there's a stairway to go or a ladder to go straight back up out. That's not true here. There's no ladder. You kind of warp into this dungeon. I don't know exactly where it's supposed to be. But if you cast the exit spell, you'll find yourself over in that fiery island we talked about where the Shrine of Humility is. And you're just out on the, a cave. You can go back into Hythaloth from there. But also right in front of you is the hot air balloon. You just get it for free. And um, that's where that wind spell mm. comes in because the hot air balloon, as soon as you get in it, you're just going with, you know, whatever direction the wind is going. So you don't really, yeah. you're not controlling it with your, you know, with the D-pad. You have to cast the wind spell and change the direction of the wind to get yourself like the cardinal directions. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and actually it wears off after a while too. <laughs> well, the winds just change. The winds like, just change. Yeah. So you have to adjust that, you know, and then yeah. just, just get yourself close. Do, but there's, there's no sky enemies. So yeah, that's yeah. okay. And do not run out of herbs up here for that mm -hmm. wind spell. Otherwise then you are literally just a, the, the, the winds of fate. Like yeah. you just have to hope the game will blow you over some grassland where you can land because that's, those are the only spots. But once you have the hot air balloon, like you said, there's a, a mountain valley that's kind of close to the west of, of Britain where mm -hmm. you can land. That's where the white stone of spirituality is found. It is missing from the dungeon. that It should be in Hythaloth. If you go all the way through that dungeon and get to the room, the guy, the, the sage there will just tell you, it's gone, sorry, tough mm -hmm. luck, which stinks. All the, right. But the rest of these will warp you out of the dungeon once you find the stone, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So once we've got all the colored stones, what is left? What what do we need these stones for? Well, we're going to use them in various combinations at the altars of truth, love, and courage. Where are these altars? Well, believe it or not, they're in the very same dungeons. Mm. Uh, that's an interesting fact about these dungeons is that, you know, they all go down eight levels, but they all have an exit to whichever principal said virtue or stone would be. And, and we haven't mentioned this, though, but these are all named after, like, anti-virtues. Like, the dungeon where you'll get the Stone of Honesty is Deceit, or 
the dungeon where the Stone of Valor is destered. That's the one where I did all my money runs Mm -hmm. and so forth. But at the bottom floor of each of them, they'll connect to one to three of these altars. You know, there's one for each principle, and they all have four exits, which will connect to the usually the bottom or seventh seventh or eighth floor of each dungeon. Mm -hmm. Once you get there, it'll tell you to... You know, place the appropriate stone for each of the virtues that use love or courage or truth. And when you do, if you have the right stones and you get it right, it will give you the key. And for speedrunners, the fact that all these dungeons all connect to the altars means that it's kind of shorter in a way or can be to just, you know, you go down, you get your, let's say you start in the Dungeon of Deceit and you get your Stone of Honesty and you go to the bottom. Well, you can just go to the altar of truth and then use that to shortcut to the bottom of all of these other dungeons and then just kind of do them from the bottom up because the stones are typically near the bottom and you can just kind of duck in and just grab the stone and duck back out i don't know i really like that i remember discovering that the dungeons were connected and it really blew my mind i i I really liked it yeah i like that a lot too but now once you, you get all the stones you get your three keys it's time to go to the abyss it's, this is it. We're headed to the Stygian Abyss. Oh, the final dungeon for us here. And as you might imagine, the location of it is on that same red, fiery island in the southeast that where the Shrine of Humility, etc. is. So yeah, there is a an entrance via sea. You're going to have to sail here. Even the hot air balloon can't land near the entrance. So it's a, it's a, a short journey from, say, Serpent's Hold, but... Once you get to the opening, you want to bust them out. It's time to use, in this order, the bell, the book, and the candle, and it will open the gates. And this is a, a slightly different dungeon. Uh, once again, it is eight floors, but each one is kind of associated with, with a virtue. Imagine that. And you'll have to, for example, on the first floor, you, you'll journey through and fight a bunch of those fire lizards and hydras and and this is an area where you'll see lots of lava on the battlefield and these monsters will just grind themselves to dust or burn themselves to dust on it sometimes (laughs) but level one will have a question where it'll say what virtue is made only from honesty and you would answer truth and then it would say put the right stone there so you got to know which virtues come from which principles and you got to know what color their stones are and stuff but you know we'll solved all that already so you keep plugging on down yeah it's like you'll you'll go down a hallway and at the end is like a, a statue i guess or like a it's a it's a weird like it looks like a trophy cup yeah on a, on a thing and then it's like a booming voice asks you a question and you know you keep going this is a dungeon that is more full of lots of areas that are sequences of those battle rooms we talked about earlier you usually have to battle your way through them obviously and there are a few that will have those secret sections on a wall you have to reveal a secret door to get to the right one or something Mm -hmm. so it does take a little exploration but i mean this is the best dungeon i think because like i said not only is it mostly battle rooms but there's a lot of uh just really like unique like battlefields that are, are not just the big open areas and lots of little you'll find some battles in little hallways or different areas that i, I thought was pretty fun mm-hmm. there's water i mean some of mm-hmm. the rooms have uh you know water coursing through them on level six there's a long chain of these battle rooms that you kind of have to go through in a certain order to get the path to make it through to the right exit to get out same thing on level seven 
And then finally you get down to level eight. Oh, eight, gosh, Abby, we totally screwed up and forgot to mention that. We're in the Stygian Abyss. Only the Avatar can come in here. Oh, of course. Yeah. So if you haven't attained Avatarhood, you can't even enter. Yeah. And yeah. your compatriots cannot enter. This is a solo dungeon, the yeah. final dungeon, which is part of the logic behind only using one character, not even getting any of the others because you won't be able to use them in the at the very end. Because you played one player, right? Yeah, I did. Or one character. Yeah, one character. Iolo Solo. And then furthermore... Because we, we talked about how the game scales the levels of monsters on your random encounters to your level, but it also scales the number of monsters to the number of people in your party. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find random encounters with eight monsters with just one, with just the bard, like, right. like you did. So it's, you know, it, it, it's another area where it really kind of, you know, normally leveling up and building up your party is a big part of RPGs. But here you can do it, but it's not truly that beneficial with some exceptions, I guess. I, I don't know. But anyways, here we are. Level eight. One bard journeying alone and through a, a, a great trial of various battles with the tough, you know, we're, we're talking Balrogs, dragons, hydras, all, all the toughest monsters are in here. So, but once again, <laughs> level four, I was fine. As long as you have plenty of herbs to heal and cast your spells if you need you will get to the closest thing to a boss this game has which is you'll enter a room and you will have to fight all eight of the characters that you encountered or could potentially get to join your party you know you fight all eight of the player characters at once it's you versus them in one room and it's a uh, it's pretty cool i guess yeah i like that it's like facing your your inner demons yeah not too tough i mean even though there's only one of you again the ai is not the best and you do have the avatar equipment so you can take most of these people down in two hits you just slowly work them down i will warn our, our listeners though that once you defeat them you might think it's all over and like i did once where i was like i'm not going to bother to heal this is over and i go to the next room and then there's a battle another battle with <laughs> some hydras a balrog some dragons and reapers. two, two yeah. reapers yeah those caught me off guard. I had to waste a lot of time healing in battle, which in this game isn't that great because... It's it, random, isn't it? Well, you, Oh, no, you, it's not random, but it's... Uh, it's just you're only getting yeah. 60 or 70, and if the enemies... You know, it's kind of like in, say, Dragon Warrior 1, where healing in a battle, if you only have one action per round, is, is tough to do because you could heal 70, but if you take 50 damage, then you only netted a gain of 20, mm -hmm. and you got to keep doing it. Then it takes... Lord knows how long to get yourself back up to where you can afford to spend a round attacking. Yeah. But anyways, after fighting all those guys, these enemies are nothing. And you can defeat them and boom, it's over. You go down to the Altar of the Codex, which is where you will find the Codex of Infinite Knowledge. And, and you win the game. Uh, <laughs> I think you, you read it and then you go, you get warped to, there's that little shrine with where you start the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lord British and then once you're there he talks to you and congratulates you and you know there's there's no big fancy fanfare really for an ending it's there's not much there other than the satisfaction of a job well done All right, you know what time it is. It is the review time, and much like in Cartridge Command, we use a classic Nintendo Power System with four categories with a possible score from 0 to 5, starting with graphics and sound. 
What did you give this game for graphics and sound, Nick? Well, I give it a 4.5. I, like, you heard me gush about it a little earlier. I really like the background tiles and all the sprites, and I, I really like the music. It's unique uh, to this game, kind of. And, and it all combines to give this game its own setting and feel that uh, I really enjoy. What about you? Well, I gave it a 4. I think the only the only thing that kept me from giving it a 4.5 or 5 is actually the music. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's serviceable, but it's um it's not as exciting and with as much, you know, backtracking and stuff that you have to do in this game, it would be nice if everywhere had different music, I think. I guess that's true. There isn't a huge track list necessarily. Yeah, yeah not know. not a lot of variety. And next up is Play Control. How'd you feel about this one, Abby? For Play Control, I gave it a 2.5. Same here. Yeah, and that's for how to direct the hot air balloon. That's annoying. Um, mm. You know, searching for treasure chests and, yeah. you know, walking around, you know, in the battle maps. That kind of, in the moon gates, all, all of it just seems like they just, either they added the extra steps to make it more challenging or you know, initially designed that way. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. when they ported it over. Yeah, they didn't, like, fine-tune it or anything. I went with a 2.5 as well. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's about average for an RPG. It is frustrating. The movement is too slow in the battles, and there are certain occasions where the text box is just too damn chatty. I'm like, I don't need you to confirm every little thing because I have to keep pushing my buttons, and I ruined my controller. Okay, next up we'll talk about challenge for this game. Nick, what did mm -hmm. you think? I give it a 1.0. I thought this game is pretty easy. I, I was never worried about dying, you know, and only the few times, like, if I forgot to heal ridiculously so. You know, I, I, it's it's not a battle-hard game. It's just a lot of almost kind of like a point-and-click adventure where you're just going around trying to find the clues to know where to do what and get these things so that you can get it all done. <laughs> Yeah, I gave it a one as well. You know, there's no boss fights. There's nothing that mm. you're just building up to. Yeah. So really, it's just getting all the resources, making sure you have a lot of everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I know I said it before about like, you know, a connect the dots yeah, puzzle. Yeah, yeah. But this game, it really is like somebody bought you one of those um, flimsy paperback <laughs> puzzle collections where it's like connect the dots, word search, crossword, you know, word jumble, mm -hmm. stuff like that, where it's like, it's not challenging. Like you, you can complete all of the puzzles in this book. Sure. But when you do, the reward you have is just the satisfaction of a job well done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And finally, there is theme and fun. And I went with a 4.0. I went with a 4.0 as well. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I did like about this game is that, you know, there's there's variety in all of the locations you go to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the themes of each of the towns and the castles and, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, I, I thought it was really fun to explore, but I wish there was more of a reason to explore or, you know, the exploring and experiencing all these different places. In most other RPGs, that's sort of like, um, you know, a side effect of completing these missions or these tasks that you've been given. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what did you say? Oh, you said four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really like this game. I haven't been shy about it the whole time, but I think that... A lot of the things that I normally like about an RPG are kind of not here. 
like I, I would I want the tactical battle system. It's not quite there yet, but it's uh it is interesting even if it, it ultimately ends up feeling the same as any other RPG. And I think that it's a interesting way, you know, trying to adapt this computer RPG to a console and then also kind of change it to make it more palatable. I don't know. I feel like they kind of in in combining these things like stumbled across a a prototype version of a, of a game I wish existed. Like I wish I would have liked to see this game refined up a little to add more reasons to you know even equip your characters or anything or even there's no point in buying anything. So it's mostly it's just all about not really story but setting. I, and I guess that's why I like it so much is I really like the setting and it's just uh, it's fun towns to explore. So 4.0, yeah. Okay, finally, Nick, do you think uh, people should play this game? Do you recommend it to other RPG players? I do. I think it's not for everyone, clearly, but it's it's worth checking out, and especially if you come from a JRPG background and are kind of interested in Ultima, can help you get your feet wet in some of the different types of conventions of nonlinear Western RPGs while still looking similar to the other to, to other games. What, what about you, Abby? Uh, actually, you just said the reason for my recommendation which would be this is a good intro to uh western rpgs you know if you're Mm. mostly a jrpg player yeah when you play you know like i said before it you know you'll just end the game with the satisfaction that you finished the game yeah yeah. um but you won't end with satisfaction in you know oh i maxed out this character that character you know that kind of thing it's it's just a checklist But yeah, there's there's lots of potential there, and I think it would, you know, inspire you to look for other RPGs, you know, that don't kind of fit in with all the RPGs that we've been comparing yeah. this to. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. Expand your horizon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Next week, Eric will be back in action with Mole Mania. Finally, at long last, you Mole Maniacs can get your fix from cartridge command uh, i'd like to thank abby for helping me out with this uh, well you're so welcome it's always a pleasure i appreciate aw, it and aw. i look forward to doing more that's right uh our next game that we will play for ogrpg not making any promises as to win because i don't know but we will will be super mario rpg for the super nintendo i'm a big fan and i know uh especially our longtime patron and supporter dale this is for you bro we'll we'll get in touch yeah this is for you dale i've never played this game before (laughs) but i'll do it for you and if you want to let us know what's your do you have a favorite party in ultima do you have a favorite ultima game do you not like ultima let us know at cartridge command at gmail.com and i'll read it and weep you can also hit the guys up on facebook at heart command and what on twitter and on twitter and on twitter not TikTok yet. <laughs> and, uh, of course, thanks to all the patrons. They give us money every month, and it's it's incredibly crazy and flattering, and we, we really enjoy it. And, you know, uh, we, we appreciate it. Money ain't easy to come by, <laughs> especially with the economy nowadays. Am I right? <laughs> it's not funny, Nick. Things no. are dire. Uh, for some, there might be. I hope they're not for our patrons. But if they are, that makes their donations even more precious. So thank you, one and all. Thank you. You are all avatars in my book. And last but not least, Game On!
Game on. Game on. Game on. Oh, we got Stevie Nicks over here. <laughs> I was right. thinking more uh, Thin Rizzle. Oh, Willow. Willow. You Shalindria's wand, Willow. I'm a beautiful woman. <laughs> Concentrate, Willow. Testy testies. Ooh. Pesky testies. What? Dedicated to. Sorry, my phone's ringing. That's right. It's a Final Fantasy theme. <laughs> Ignore. Kay. Ignore.